Welcome, welcome into episode 62 of the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. We are back for another episode. We are missing JB today. Jace Burke is taking the week off, spending some time uh, getting his job situated, but we are going to welcome back Super Producer Nick C and Max. We're going to be going over this past week, going over some breakdowns of booms, busts, our crystal ball picks, as well as talking some pop culture. We get into a little NBA talk to start the show today with the start of the NBA season. But before we get into the show, just wanted to thank our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Underdog, use our code MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y. Get a $100 deposit match in bonus cash if you use our code MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y. Follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Monarchy over there. Jason, super producer Nixie are pumping out great content. Wanted to thank you all for listening, and let's go. Why, hello there, my fellow kings and queens. Welcome to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast, where you will learn how to rule over your dynasty league for years to come. Now, allow me to introduce you to your hosts, Max, Peter, and Jace. Here we go. Episode number 62, 62 of the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. We are back again. It is Wednesday, October 19th. Whoever you may be, however you may be listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're coming from, welcome into the show. We got Max and Super Producer up in Cleveland, JB. We are thinking about you right now as you're transitioning jobs, holding it down in the desert, but not holding it down with us currently on the podcast. He'll be back next week, uh, but just wanted to welcome everyone into the show. I'm currently in the city of der- absolute delusion and derangement, the city of Philadelphia, all their sports teams going bonkers right now, and the city is alive. Gentlemen, what's it like being up in Cleveland? I'm uh, sure the city was alive after that big loss to the Pats. Uh, yeah, it was definitely alive. Sunday was popping. Um, you got the Pats, you had the guards, both lost. Should have bet that. Um, but we're we're pretty used to it, I would say. Nixie, I don't know if you'd agree with that statement. We really uh, we don't expect much. We're just we're just happy to be here and happy to be alive. Yeah, man. It was. Uh, I actually went to the game on Sunday, and I can't lie, man. That was probably one of the worst games I've ever watched in my life. We started to leave a bit early uh after the botched onside kick and then pats just went down and scored right away we walked out we we're walking down the ramp and even before we were were probably two levels down the patriots scored another touchdown probably within like less than a minute and you know everyone was pretty angry and then everyone's like oh well the guards will probably win and that didn't happen so it's uh, you know, the factory of sadness is is pumping out some goodness over there in Cleveland. <laughs> the zapping, the Bailey zapping happened in Cleveland this past week. Quarterback controversy, maybe we'll start talking about that a little later. Pop culture with Pete time, just to get you into the episode today. NBA season, congratulations! NBA started today. I just wanted to get your prediction: Eastern Conference champion, West Conference champion, and your eventual NBA champion for twenty twenty three. All right, I guess I'll kick us off. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I work for him. Maybe it's because I'm from Cleveland. I'm going with the Cavs, man. I really think they have a good team. I mean, any points at work? No, I don't even think anyone from work really listens. But, I mean, Garland, he was an all-star. Donovan Mitchell's been an all-star every year. Mobley is so, so talented. Jared Allen was an all-star. Um, Karis LeVert, Kevin Love off the bench. I mean, the team's deep, Okoro. They're they're really good. They're hungry too. So I'm gonna go with the Cavs out of the East and out of the West. I don't know. I, you can't pick against. You know, I'll pick the Suns. I think the Suns are due, um, and I think that the Suns win it all. Yeah, I I was thinking honestly the same picks as you, Max. I really do think the the Guardians can make the next step. The guards, the guards are playing. Oh no, the Guardians. No, the Cavs. Um, but yeah, Mitchell I think is gonna elevate them. They're, they're still young. I think they can, uh, they can get something going in the East. And then, yeah, I do think uh, Phoenix Suns as well in the West. But who knows? Maybe maybe LeBron has a dark horse chance of bringing that goon squad to the, <laughs> the championship. So no chance. No chance for the Warriors to repeat. 
super producer. All the Warriors hate built up over all these years. No, I don't think so, man. As long as Draymond Green is punching Jordan Poole in the preseason, I think they're pretty much chalked this season. They're chalked. You heard it here first. Me personally living in Philadelphia, I'll say my homer pick is the Sixers. But if I'm not allowed, if I'm not allowed a homer pick, I'm going to say the Milwaukee Bucks. I think they have been slept on way too hard this offseason by every analyst. They were basically there last year, um, but due to an untimely injury, weren't able to punch their ticket to the finals. I think they probably would have been able to take down the Warriors. And to be honest, I see this Warriors team. I know it's sad to say, but I'm not going to root against. I'm not going to bet against them. I will root against them very hard, but I will not bet against them. Making the finals, my winner, I'll go with the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis cements his legacy, uh, maybe taking the torch from LeBron in year 20. All right, let's move into the show. Wanted to thank our presenting sponsor, Underdog. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place for you to play fantasy football. They have pick'em games, daily fantasy, whatever you need in a fantasy football platform they have for you. The best part about Underdog for me personally is their season-long best ball leagues. I enjoy being able to draft my team, set it, quote-unquote, by doing the draft and completely forget about it. At Underdog automatically slots in your best possible lineup, so you always get the 100% best chance to win your games. Underdog Fantasy, again, use our code MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, for a 100, $100 deposit match in bonus cash, up to $100 in bonus cash when you use our code MONARCHY. Let's get into the pod. Such a shame that Jace isn't here. One of his boys looks like he's going to be out the next couple of weeks. I heard there was a potential scare for a season-long injury here. But Marquise Brown is out multiple weeks with that foot injury. Obviously, Robbie Anderson was traded the other day after his altercation on the sideline. Uh, compensation of 24-6th and a 25-7th. Just disgusting. Uh, tell me about your insights on Robbie Anderson moving forward, especially with uh, DeAndre Hopkins coming back. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Robbie Anderson's kind of just a guy. Um, he's 29 years old. He's definitely getting up there in age. What I wanted to touch on, and I think we can touch on both, is definitely like Marquise Brown, like, does this affect his dynasty stock? He's only 25 years old. Um, I mean, they traded a first-round pick for him. How are we feeling? Are we trying to buy him right now? Or what are your what are your guys' thoughts on that? I think he's definitely a buy because going forward, I mean, we'll see how Hopkins looks this season. But last season wasn't super inspiring from him. So I feel like Marquise is definitely still a great buy. You might be able to get a little bit of an injury dip, especially if a competitor has him. You know, we, we've talked about those windows with the competitors. You can maybe get a good discount. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I would try to buy him. Probably not going to be able to get him from a guy like Jace that's rebuilding and has him. But, yeah, I do think he's a good asset moving forward. Yeah, I think that he's going to be very interesting to see when he comes back. So whenever he decides to come back after that injury, he's not a plug start. Like this week, DeAndre Hopkins, he's going to be a plug start. I haven't seen him play this year. I haven't seen him play, you know, after this whole controversy. I don't care. He's floating right into the lineup. If, you know, Devontae Adams gets hurt and goes out for an extended period of time and comes back, he's a plug start. Marquise Brown, especially with all the uncertainty in this offense, is not going to be a plug start for your team. He's going to be somebody that you got to sit and wait and evaluate and see it on the field and see it get proven on the field before he is deserving to get back in that starting lineup for me. I know Jace might say something different, but I wish he was here to defend his boy right now. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I think that Jace, obviously, he's not going to sell him. No, like, rebuilder is going to sell him because he's so young. You're not going to sell at the low. Um, but if you're if there's a competitor and Marquise Brown's put up some great weeks, and I'm sure he's led a lot of teams to be a competitor um, just by himself. I think he was wide receiver six in PPR before this week, which is phenomenal. Um, but a competitor, I think you could get you could get him at a really good value and then plug him in next year. I mean, I, I agree that he's not going to be a plug and play right when he gets back, whether it's six weeks, whatever it is. Um, but a competitor is going to be hurt and missing a guy like that. So I would definitely be trying to go out and buy him. I think I'd pay a 23 first form for sure. 23 um, first. 
Yeah, 23 first. Back and front end. I mean, I'm not paying like 106 plus, but I'll pay up to 107. Okay, up to 107. I had another trade. Would you guys do Sutton for Marquise Brown straight up? If you're um, trying to get Marquise Brown. If you're a competitor, I mean, I'd rather have Sutton just because he's going to put up numbers. But, right. I mean, in the dynasty format, Marquise is too so I'd probably rather have Marquise. In our dynasty window where everybody's competing and rebuilding at the same time, uh, and there's endless amount of players to plug in your lineup, so it's really just in a vacuum, I'd probably rather have Sutton, but barely. Um, I, I think it's going to be very interesting. Uh, we're going to move into our next piece of news right now, actually, because we're late. Russell Wilson having an MRI on his hamstring now. I believe it's his hamstring. Then he had the shoulder problems. I don't know if this is a pile of excuses for poor play on the field or if it's, you know, real. And there's actually some serious injury slash issues for him at the current moment. What's your opinion on Russell Wilson, all these offensive pieces out there in Denver? And if we want to just barely touch on this for two seconds, why is Latavius Murray getting the ball? Dude, I don't even know. I mean, I was up by in my redraft. I'm in a work league. I was up by seven points. The guy had Melvin Gordon. I was like, well, we'll probably find the end zone. We'll get some catches like GG's three carries for eight yards. The guy was sitting on the sidelines pouting. Like he must've done something wrong because Latavius Murray is not like that much better than him, especially when they just signed him. Um, so Melvin Gordon, that's tough to be a redraft owner of him because I think yep. he's in the doghouse and I don't think his values nearly going to go up ever again. Um, but getting back to like those pieces, basically Sutton and Judy and even Russ, um, I, I could speak for JB. JB, I know when you're listening, um, we still believe in these guys. Um, Russ looked like I, I want to say it. I won't first quarter it. Russ, first quarter Russ threw for 100 yards. Yeah, and I was like, wow, I got his over at 225. I was like, oh, this is this is simple, right? No, he put up 15 yards in the second half, but I, that's I Zach believe- Wilson numbers. It is from the Jet fan. That's Zach Wilson numbers. Yeah, I, I too genuinely believe in Sutton and Judy. I mean, Sutton's twenty-seven; he's going into his prime. Judy's like twenty-three years old. I believe more in Sutton just because he's more of a target hog. Um, I think once Russ can figure it out, honestly, when they go back and they watch that film, the pass game was working. They tried to run the ball, and that just wasn't working. So let Russ cook, get him healthy, get a couple weeks, and I think. If you look at their schedule for wide receivers, Sutton and Judy's, I know they have the Jets this week, but like from weeks nine to like 16, it's all very, very favorable matchups um, in the green. So I'd be trying to go out and buy them if I'm a competitor. If I'm a rebuilder, you obviously can't sell them after last night just because the value is too low. We want to talk about something pretty cool. I was listening to Uncle Colin today. I know how the city of Cleveland feels about Colin Coward. But I was listening to him, and he came with a mad scientist kind of uh, trade today. Uh, and I want to get both your opinions on this. He said, things aren't working out in Arizona the way that they'd like. They want a plug-and-play guy that doesn't have to work, or that does will work hard and you know figure out the offense and, and get things going. Arizona has Kyler Murray, who really doesn't want to work. They want a guy who will work. Denver just needs a guy who's going to figure it out and not overthink and not overwork too hard and just run that offense correctly. He said a straight swap for Russ and Kyler. Do you think that either team would agree to that? Both have contracts that they can't get out of now. I mean, it's, it's not bad. I mean, when you look at it, Russ is like 32, Kyler's like 24, 25. So, I mean, you're getting less years, but something's got to change in both those situations. I don't agree with Colin much, but it's not bad. And I think, I don't think Arizona would accept it just because of how Russ is playing right now. Um, But something really does have to change. I think I wouldn't be surprised with this year's NFL. Um, Yeah. I don't know about that trade in particular. I don't see like, like you said, Max Arizona doing, making a move like that. Cause I feel like they really are tied to Kyler. But just as far as the Broncos go for the rest of the season, it just doesn't look good, man. I I saw a poll. Uh, this is more just talking about dynasty values and whatnot. But 
it was a poll from Dynasty IM, and it was in six-point uh, passing touchdown Superflex, I think. Had, a, like, a couple hundred votes, and it was uh, Justin Fields or Russ. And I think Fields was winning, like, 60 to 40 over That's Russ. Wild. I don't care. And I voted, for, I voted for Russ. I do still like him over Fields. But, I mean, it's just looking grim, at least for this season. I mean, maybe he can get it going next season, but I really just don't have any confidence in a lot of these guys moving forward, even uh, this season, even Sutton and Judy. I mean, maybe if they can get a top 24 season for one of them, probably Sutton. I mean, that's probably all you can ask for at this point. All right, moving from one trade corner to another, I've been hearing there's going to be a fire sale down in Carolina. Super producer, one of your backs, is currently on the Carolina Panthers and Christian McCaffrey. Rumblings of Buffalo have been heard all throughout the realm. I don't know how I would personally feel about him finding his way out of that offense. I don't know if his workload would go up, go down, go left, go sideways, or in circles. But it's definitely intriguing. I want to hear your opinion. As a CMC holder and owner in a dynasty league, uncertain future for CMC moving forward, how do you feel? I mean, it's fine either way. I feel like any situation he goes to, they're still going to feed him the ball. And, I mean, he'll he'll still probably be a lock for five or six catches a game. Um so I'm definitely not worried at all, even if I'm a competitor and have him. I really don't even see these guys getting moved because from what I saw that it would take multiple first-round picks uh, for them to move McCaffrey and then even DJ Moore as well. It probably would be something similar just because they value him pretty highly. So I don't see a team paying that price, and I don't see Carolina like moving off of these guys unless they get some type of like big, big haul for the, for them. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with Nick. See, I think that especially DJ Moore, I don't think he'll get moved McCaffrey on Buffalo. If I was a CMC owner and he got shipped to Buffalo, I would sell him right away. I mean, there's so much uncertainty, but I feel like just the hype around being on the Buffalo bills, Christian McCaffrey, like, I'm sure people would pay an arm and a leg for the uncertainty chance. And I feel like you could get a lot for him at age 26 there. So I would sell him if he went to Buffalo. Um, DJ Moore, I don't think he'll get moved. Like I said, I think that in the trade deadlines, November 1st, I think that if a wide receiver is going to get moved, it's going to be like a, a lower tier wide receiver, someone that's not as high quality as DJ Moore, I would say. All right, let's move into some notable booms and busts from this past week. All right, taking a look here, uh, I am just got some some of these guys pulled up really quick. One person in particular I really want to talk about, and I know Max and Super Producer both probably watched the game in their almost entirety. I know Super Producer left at some point. But I want to talk about Ramondre with the fact the Patriots, I think they're going to stick with Bailey Zappi. I really do. I 100% do think that they're going to stick with Bailey Zappi post-Mac Jones coming back. We've seen Ramondre take this lion's share of the workload with some injuries in that backfield. 25 points this week, 19 points last week, 12 points, 20 points. So he's been an elite level back. He's currently the RB9 on the season. Is Ramondre a, let's say, top 24 dynasty asset, in your opinion, at the running back position? Solely at the running back position because we have a 24 year old six foot running back that is putting up double digits every single week. He's been really, really solid. Yeah. I'd put him at top 24. I mean, once you get down to those twenties, even late teens, it's, it's tough to put people. Um, but it's just that system. It fluctuates so quickly. We've seen Damian Harris, like Garrett Blunt. I mean, these guys, James white, they turn over year after year. Um, but what he's doing is really impressive. And I do think they'll stick with Zappy as well, Peter. Yeah, I think Ramondre is definitely a top 24 dynasty RB. But the thing to note is Damian Harris has missed, I think, with a hamstring injury or something like that. So who knows what that looks like when he moves forward, even though when Harris was playing, uh, Stevenson 
was starting to take over the role, even with Harris in the backfield there. Um, I do have him in one league that I'm trying to rebuild, but somehow my, I mean, my team is bad, but somehow I'm, I'm five and one in this league, but I have Stevenson and I'm trying to ship him for any 23 first that I can, honestly, because I think this is the, the window where you could probably get a pick like that. And if it's any, I, I would take any first round pick. Honestly. Yeah. A hundred percent and 23. For sure. All right. So we, we're kind of honing in on on the value of Ramondre Stevenson here. If you've been kind of zoning in and out, I think it's extremely interesting given his upcoming schedule. Let me just pull it up for two seconds. His upcoming schedule is Bears, Jets, Colts, Jets, Vikings, Bills, and then here we go in the fantasy playoffs where I don't see an intimidating defense really anywhere in the fantasy playoffs for him. We have Raiders who are, eh, they're decent. Bengals who are, eh, that defense is decent. And Miami whose defense has been horrible against the running back this year so far. I think he might be a league winner. If he's able to keep that role, if he's able to keep that role and you're, let's say you're a competitor and you're able to find him for maybe a second in your league. For some reason, you know, nobody's biting. Guy really wants to panic sell. He might be a league winner candidate down the stretch here if he's able to keep that line share work sh- workload and if you're flexing him. If you're keeping him in the flex, and again, I, I want to reiterate this for a lot of people out there, wide receivers are insanely inconsistent. And on a week-to-week basis where the fantasy playoffs is one loss and you're out, you want to be able to flex running backs as much as you can that have consistent workloads, especially in the fantasy playoffs. And to have a have a lineup like that for his playoff schedule, I think creates a lot of positive sum outcomes where he's going to either meet expectations or surpass them. I really don't see him going below like seven or six points if he's going to be the line share workload running back in those games. And that's going to create positive outcomes if you're able to flex him in your fantasy lineups in those playoffs. So just keep an eye out on his value. And if he's going to keep that starting job, is he worth a second round pick for me? If I'm a competitor and I'm really pushing my chips in, is he worth the chance? I think hundred percent at this point, is he worth that first round pick in 23? That's going to be the judgment call. That's your seat at the table, you know, putting the money down for blackjack. Are you all in willing to push all those chips to the middle or you kind of want to stay in that flexibility? So it's going to be all that. Any comment? Yeah, I mean, I, I really do think when you when you talk about it, you need running backs to win a fantasy football championship. I mean, wide receivers, yes, like you have these elite guys. And I mean, Jamar Chase, Jefferson, Diggs, whoever it is, and they can put up numbers and they can just go berserk. They can go nuclear. But if you have like three just solid, solid running backs that put up consistent numbers every single week, you know what you're getting from them. And then on top of that, you get two really good weeks from your wide receiver. You'll win it easily. Whereas if you have three wide receivers starting like, and one of the three does well, that's two bad weeks. You can have a, a okay week from your running back. Like you could lose. So I think running back depth is really important. And if you're competing, Ramondre is the perfect guy. I like his schedule and I like the price that he's at right now. Um, one guy I wanted to mention, I really, Peter, like, Bias aside, what is going on with the Jets wide receivers, whether it's Garrett Wilson, whether it's Elijah Moore, like I I get you will not sell Elijah Moore. Your value is crazy still. Um, But Garrett Wilson, like, are we trusting these guys or are we selling them? Like what is going on? So we were talking about our, or the bus from this, uh, sorry, the breakouts from this past week slash booms, but we can, we can segue here a little bit. There's another jet I want to talk about with the booms. And I guess you can only guess who that is, but I want to talk about Elijah Moore for a second. Had some cryptic tweets the other day. I don't know if anybody saw that. Did you see that, Max? You shared them in the chat. I'm off Twitter right now, um, but you did share them in the chat. It's it's very concerning because the second the Jets decide to start winning and start doing good things, they create distractions for themselves. But this is what I will say. I'm not making excuses for Zach Wilson. I, w- I want this to be 100% unapologetic me to the jets with their wide receivers in mind. They run the ball so well. They run the ball at an insane rate 
that offensive line is doing exactly what everybody thought it would do before the season started. And Brees Hall is a maniac, and we'll talk about him in a minute. So the Jets are winning games with the run game and defense. They really don't have to throw the ball much to win these games. I think that's why we're seeing a drop in production from the wide receivers. Do I think the wide receivers are being underutilized? A hundred percent. But I don't know when it's going to change. I think it will at some point because you can't just run the ball and play defense and expect to win in this league unless your name's Tennessee. So outside of them, I really have no idea. And I think it's going to be a week-to-week thing. I do think eventually, all my bias aside, the Jets wide receivers will flip it around. Zach Wilson will find his rhythm. And by the way, tiny little baby excuse for Zach Wilson. It was raining in Lambeau. And that's why they tried to run so much. So it wasn't perfect conditions for him to throw. Yeah. I mean, he threw the ball 18 times, completed 10 passes. um, 110 yards. 110 yards. Yep. Uh, The week before that, he threw it 21 times, completed 14 passes. And then the week before that, 36 for 18 passes. So, I mean, the highest in three games that he's completed is 18 passes. When you break that down and the target share and stuff like that, it's just concerning. I mean, these running backs are getting some dump downs. Michael Carter, Conklin, Zach Wilson. Brees, too. Brees, too. I mean, Brees gets a lot of work in the passing game. So it's like, I just, are you selling these wide receivers? Are you just holding on to them and saying, hey, like, I'll take the loss? Like, wh- what are you doing, Peter? I'm holding on to Elijah Moore for one specific reason, and that's because I love him. If it wasn't for Elijah Moore, being one of my favorite players, he'd probably be on waivers and redraft if it was for me. He'd 100% be on waivers and redraft. But I I just, I think in Dynasty, I would have traded him. I would have traded him a million times when you were begging for him. But he's just one of my favorite players, and I just can't turn that down. I don't even want him anymore just because of how bad it is. And I, I don't see it looking up. I really don't. So, Nick, see, I don't know about what you think, like, do you think it will turn up for them? What would you pay for these guys, Wilson and Elijah Mixie? That's tough, man. I mean, if I have them, I'm definitely not selling. I'd definitely just hold them because they're pretty much the lowest they're going to get. I mean, unless you sold Wilson early on when he popped in the season. Um, if I'm being fair, and I mean, no disrespect, Peter, but like, 100% I, send it. I'm not buying either of these guys probably in dynasty unless until they start showing that they can put up like, Oh, there's no disrespect there. Man. 13 points a week or something. Like I'm not going to give, cause somebody's still going to want a first for Wilson. Cause they just picked him in the first, like an early first. And then Elijah Moore. I mean, you might be able to get them. I might be down to pay a couple seconds for him, but people that have them probably are still not going to sell them for like two seconds. So I'm probably just out on even buying these guys if I don't have them. It's really interesting, and it's something we're going to have to see moving forward, especially the Jets. Their schedule, it's very nice in that championship round. In those championship rounds uh, for the playoffs, it is insanely nice. So my only hope is that they're able to turn it around before then because Lord knows I I need those Jets receivers to kind of turn it up. Let's move on uh, back to our booms. I want to talk about Brees Hall and his use utilization rate really quick. Looks like Max has a talking point. Really quick. Would you sell Elijah Moore for two twenty three seconds? Please stop. No, I, I'm not selling him for anything right now. You wouldn't sell him for a 23 first, Peter? No. I have told you this we're, multiple we're times. Losing no. We're losing viewers as this goes on. No, it's just he's my favorite player, and I have the, the depth on my team that I don't need to sell him. All right, talk about let's go to Brees Hall real quick. Okay, so Brees Hall looks great the last couple of weeks. I want to just talk about the workload that he's getting. Obviously, he's probably surpassed Jonathan Taylor in my mind as the RB1 in Dynasty because he's a year younger on a more up-and-coming team. What is your opinion about the potential? I've been seeing it all over Twitter about him being the new RB1 over Taylor. I just don't – I don't see that. I mean, he's, he's he's had some good games. He doesn't play the workload that Taylor plays. I mean, he's only playing 
two thirds of the snaps right now, like 51, 66, 69, 67. Yes, he's had some great yards per carry and he's got involved in the passing game in some of these games. Um, but he's scored a touchdown in these past three weeks, which really have bolstered his stats a lot, I would say. Um, Taylor, I mean, Taylor's done this for two years now and is still so young and on a better offensive line. I think Taylor's injury didn't help him at all. Um, but I would still give the edge to Taylor by a pretty decent margin. I don't know about. So what is it? It's Brees Hall plus blank gives you Taylor. I mean, I had like a 24 first, man. I mean, I really don't think it's close. Nick C, super producer, any comment? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm for me at least, I'm probably still with Taylor's side. Um, I, it would probably be yeah, Brees plus a first, but who knows? I mean, if it goes to the end of the season and Brees is still putting up twenty points a game, and maybe Taylor still coming a bit slow, maybe he has a couple boom games. I mean, maybe you could trade somebody Brees for Taylor. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Brees is definitely making a good consideration for the RB one. I mean, he's probably top three RB at least for dynasty in my opinion, but um, yeah, dude, I think he's putting it together and uh, you know, good for you, Peter. I'm happy to see uh, at least one of the guys popping off. And I mean, Garrett Wilson showed a little bit uh, early in the season. So yeah, I think Brees, if, if he can keep it going, man, I mean, it, his trajectory is to the moon for sure. Just real quick, Peter, before you chime in, like, what Taylor did, I get last year was like an outlier, but even at the back end of his rookie year, I mean, 21, 29, 17, 20, 37. And then he goes into his sophomore year and puts up 30, 30, 16, 20, 33, 21, 51. And he's playing 80% of the snaps while getting like six point six yards of carry and a couple touchdowns. I mean, I get he hasn't done that this year, but he's still getting – he got 88% of the workload, 88% of the snaps for his Tennessee before he got, before they like pulled him or whatever. Again, he only had 20 carries for 42 yards, like not good. Um, but Taylor's still so young, just so dynamic. And I really think it would have, to, until I see it from Brees consistently like that, I don't need a whole season, but I need more than just the two, three weeks I just put together. So I'm still saying Brees on a 24 first. All right. Absolutely. Let's keep moving forward. One last guy before we move into some busts and then our projections for this upcoming week, our crystal ball segment. Wanted to talk about Kenneth Walker, another first round running back from this past year, finally gets the lion's share of the workloads. He's only seeing the uh, field 69% of the time. Nice. But I did want to mention 18 points this past week and half point PPR, 14 points the week prior where he kind of came into the game. Uh, what is our dynasty value on Kenneth Walker? I feel like when he was drafted, it wasn't the sexy pick. It was, mm, I didn't get Brees. Mm, I didn't get one of the top four receivers. I guess I'm going to take this running back who's got to sit behind Rashad Penny for however long Penny wants to decide just because the draft board tells me I have to take him. You know, we find a quote-unquote fortunate injury for him and his career trajectory in Rashad Penny going out for the year. And we see immediate production. I wanted to get some comments on where his dynasty value sits right now. Uh, I think I could start us off here. Um, 21 carries, 97 yards. That's great. Um, he did have a 34-yard run. So, I mean, obviously you can't subtract those and stuff like that. I would just temper expectations, I think would be the word, with Kenneth Walker. Like you said, he only played 69% of the carries did find the end zone um but i just i don't think i don't know it's tough their schedule's not nice they're not a team i mean yes they somehow beat arizona but arizona's not good i don't see them like winning a lot of games seattle i just don't um they can put up the points geno smith can sling the ball but i think honestly if i had kenneth walker i'd be looking to sell him right now uh if i could get a 23 first plus easily like you said, it wasn't a sexy pick going into this rookie draft. So, I mean, people who have them are definitely excited about this. And, you know, I was I was a dude who loved him as well as Max, I know, in, uh, in college because he was just a beast at Michigan State. So, I think 
I mean, he's probably arguably a top 15 dynasty running back, in my opinion, just from how the landscape looks right now. And only imagine, like, imagine if Seattle just, they come out and just stink the rest of the season, don't win many games. They get a top pick and get one of these QBs. I mean, this the offense could be looking decent going into next into next season. They probably don't bring Penny back because I think he was on a one year deal. And who knows? It could be looking looking up for Kenneth Walker moving forward. So not only do they have their own first round pick, they also have the Broncos, which is a top seven pick currently. Oh. So something to keep an eye out for. Uh, real quick here, um, like when we look at these running backs, I mean, you got Taylor, you got Javante, you got like Swift, but then it gets to these old guys. I mean, Saquon's up there in age, Christian McCaffrey, um, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry. We're about to see this new wave of running back, and if Kenneth Walker can continue it, I think it would be great to see. I really do. Great insights there on our booms from this past week. Let's take a look at a couple busts. I wanted to start off with your boy, Max. Your boy, your boy, Max, comma, DK. Sorry, I'm trying to get the proper English out there for the people at home. DK did not have a great week. Just wanted you to touch base on all the DK believers out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 24 years old. We're, we're not panicking. He still had seven targets, only caught two of them. Um, the thing with DK is he can really turn any play into a touchdown. Um, even last year versus Arizona, he only had five targets for 58 or five catches for 58 yards. Um, then he had four catches for 31 yards. Um, and then the year before that um, versus Arizona, he had two catches for 23 yards and three catches for 46. So I think we're finding the trend here. He doesn't really play well versus Arizona, which is, you know, he plays them twice a year. It stinks. Um, he plays them again week nine at Arizona this time. So I don't know. DK is a very special, special, talented athlete. Um, he could take one of the house, but just doesn't play well versus Arizona. So I'm not really reading too much into it. I like Max said, I mean, the Cardinals, I didn't really realize that, but they, they kind of locked DK down. And I think it's more so that Kenneth Walker had a pretty big game. Um, so we'll see if that's the trend moving forward. Maybe if they stick to more run heavy, it could be concerning, but, uh, I, I still think DK's solid wide receiver too, at least. Yeah. Everybody knows my hatred of DK. I wouldn't say it's a hatred anymore. I would say it's a disliking, um, this upcoming, this season, I think next season is his, his year. I think next year he has an incredible year. I don't know why. can't tell you why, but I think he's going to have that return to grace year next year and finishes like a top 12 option at the, the position. I feel like they might get a new quarterback, figure something out there. Him being such a bully uh, can be a, a nice thing for a young rookie quarterback. But let's talk to somebody else that I love to hate. Love to hate. Mike, Will, Max, any defense for your boy? Um, No, uh, I don't. Not this week. Um, we knew that Sertan's a beast. He played Denver. Um, Herbert didn't even look that good. How about like that the, part that uh that odds boost? Did you see that? No, you didn't. So there was an odds boost in DraftKings. It was Justin Herbert to throw a touchdown, minus eight hundred, and they boosted it to plus a hundred, like one of those like give back, you know, like spread the love events. Herbert didn't throw a tutty. That's yeah. That's crazy. Um, but Herbert, I mean, Herbert didn't play that well. Sertan just locked him down. I think Mike Willie, he has that big play potential. He is 27 years old. So in Dynasty, I really like DK 24, man. I mean, you really, you can't get better than that. Um, but Mike Willie, 27, I think he's better as that number two option. Um, so hopefully when Keenan comes back, I think Mike Willie can return to form um, and get going again. Yeah, that dude, that's a crazy that odds boost is just nuts. And Herbert, I, I saw a stat, it's like he threw 57 times, and I think it was the most pass attempts thrown in a win without, without a, a touchdown. touchdown. Yeah. I so saw a pretty... stat. I saw a stat he's only had one other game in his whole career where he didn't throw a passing touchdown. Yeah, man. I mean so. the odds makers were 
on they some were cooking fuel or something, bro. They're just up late at night with that one. Have you guys seen the what is he cooking parlay? It went crazy the other week. So some Jets fan every week creates a what was he cooking thing, and it's a picture of Thanos in front of like the stove cooking up something. And it's the craziest like legs that you'll ever see. It was like Garrett Wilson, two touchdowns, like, you know, this player over like alt yards, you know, X, Y, Z. And he hit it a couple of weeks ago. And it's every week somebody goes, what is he cooking? And every team's kind of adopted it. I'm surprised you guys haven't seen it. So there's always like a Browns one or, you know, a Cardinals one or whatever team. So that's definitely like the, what was he cooking? Like what were the odds makers cooking there? They, you know how much money they probably just stole from people? I mean, they'll, they'll give it back, and then they'll just continue to take more money. Vegas wasn't built on winners, but that's crazy. It's insane. All right, let's move into our crystal ball picks this week. We're going to be looking for who's going to boom, who's going to bust, and I'm going to take a victory lap on my boom. Yeah, you know, actually, before you take your victory lap, Peter, I it's probably one of my least favorite things to do on the show. Um, but I do want to give you props. Um, that was a great pick. I think I thought you were a madman last week. I think you're a madman most weeks, but Peter, um, very good pick. Definitely build your, what's the word I'm looking for? Credibility. Peter? Like your, your credibility. Thank you, Peter. As an accountant, um, I need that. Great pick. I'm proud of you. Uh, let's hope you can continue. You know what, Max, all I've ever wanted was for you to be proud of me. So thank you so much for that. But no, I did pick the Jets defense to boom on a crazy one. I said they were going to have an insane game against the Packers up in Lambeau. So, you know what, I'll take the victory lap. I think they scored 22 points. So if that's not a boom for a wavered defense, I don't know what is. So that's my victory lap. That's all I'm going to say. Super producer, you're laughing. You're laughing over there. What's going on? No, I love it. That's a great pick, dude. And uh, I, I'm just cheesing because Sauce Gardner was cheesing himself after the game, and he was put on cheesing the, the cheese head. And you know, he's just a beast, bro. He's a top five cornerback, and I love every second of it. Uh, for those that don't know, Super Producer used to go to school with Sauce and is on a first name basis with him. You know, Nick C and. Sauce, they know each other. They party together all the time. So that's his boy, right, Nick? Yeah, dude, hundred percent. He's. Uh, <laughs> I got him on speed dial. Give him some props after that game. You know, it's, it's really back. good stuff. He hit you back. Yeah, of course, dude. All the time, dude. He's got to fly you out to New York so he can do an app in person. Yep, I, I was actually working on that. I did, I didn't want to bring it up yet, but oh, all right. Let's do our booms and busts. For this upcoming week, it's our crystal ball section. We're going to take a look into the future and see who's going to boom, who's going to bust. I'll do my picks. Max, you can do your picks. And since Jace isn't here, super producer, would you mind doing his picks for him? All right. I will decide the order. It is me and then super producer doing Jace's picks. And then Max will snake it back around. Do we want to start boom or do we want to start bust? You know. We're starting hot off that Jets pick, Peter. Let's do booms again. Let's, let's see what you got. All right. What was he cooking? What was Pete cooking? All right. That that Jets D pick, what was that? What was he cooking? Parlay. All right. Let's take a look. I got Josh Jacobs to boom this week. I know he's coming off that bye, but I want to look at his past three weeks. So against Tennessee, week three. He had 30 receiving yards, 66 rushing yards, and five receptions. He had 12 points. Then he had that monster week against Denver for 32 points. And then finally last week against Kansas City, he had 27, make it 28 when you round up points. I think Josh Jacobs is the key to the Raiders, at least putting up a competent offensive performance. Whether or not it's a win, I can't say. But I think him getting the workload that they need to establish the run so that the pass can work is of utmost importance. So we look at his matchup this week off of bye, well-rested. It is the Houston Texans. I think that he's going to play at least 80% of the snaps. He's going to get at least 20 touches. Whether or not that translates to 100 yards, we'll see. But I think he finds his way into the end zone. 
fantasy and uh, the sleeper apps projecting a 14, I wouldn't be shocked if it moves into the 20s. Yeah, I mean, I think 100 yards, a couple of catches and a touchdown. Um, coming off that bye, just the workload he's been given. You really hit all those on the nail or the head there. Uh, Josh Jacobs, he's, he's just looked really, really good. Um, the Raiders, I didn't think they had faith in him anymore, but obviously they do. So kudos to Jacobs, kudos to you, Peter, for holding on to him and at his low value there. Um, you, That's you my Elijah that. Moore. Sure. My you next one's that. Elijah Moore. I'm holding. Iron diamond hands. Considering you've been offered 23 firsts and Sutton and Pittman and crazy amount of players, that's all you really can do. Max, I'm you know, you know about the band on the Titanic? No, did they live? They did not, sadly, but they played as the ship was going down, trying to calm the masses. So that's gonna be me. I'm gonna be holding him until the water goes above my head. I don't care. I'm playing. Hey, that's all you can ask. Uh, but oh, Josh Jacobs, I really think he's going to have a monster, monster week. So I love this pick, Pete. Right, yeah, me super. too, Peter. I think that's a that's a good pick. I mean, Houston's just been gashed this season by running back. So definitely see him having a monster game. Yeah, so I'm going to uh, speak for Jace here. He sent some analysis in the chat. So Jace's boom is going to be Terry McLaurin this week uh, versus Green Bay. It's a tough matchup, but he was saying that he thinks Heineke is just going to pepper him with targets. Wentz is out of a handful of weeks. He had uh, surgery on his hand, so it's going to be the Taylor Heineke show there. And Heineke hardly played with Samuel last season, Curtis Samuel, and he did not play with uh, Jahan Dotson last season at all, obviously because he wasn't on the team. So. Jace is probably thinking it's just going to be a comfortability factor with McLaurin there uh, in this tough matchup. But even though it's a tough matchup, last season McLaurin went off against Green Bay. He lit him up for seven catches, 122 yards, and a touchdown on 12 targets. So Jace is thinking for a little repeat of that action going in, and I can see it happening. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jace. I feel like he knows when people are going to boom and he always has the good analysis behind it. Make sure you check out his player props. He went two for two last week on those, which was great. Um, but I love this analysis. I think uh, Heineke, he's only really comfortable with Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin is a very talented underrated receiver. Um, people forget about him. He's literally like DJ Moore, just a little less um, in the yards category. So I love me some scary Terry. I think he's a great value to go buy right now in Dynasty, though, for real. Terry Mack, what's the likelihood that they find out that they need a good quarterback to win games next year? Pretty pretty high. I don't think Ron Rivera likes that uh, that Carson that Carson loser. Yeah, I think he might be destined backup forever after this year. But do you think that they find a way to draft a guy, get a veteran guy? From everything that I'm hearing, you know how that Aaron Rodgers deal is like, not four years, it's, you know, three one-year deals. I've been hearing some mumblings on Twitter that he might want out. That would be huge for Terry. That would be a Devontae-esque role. It, it, it would be. I just don't see Aaron Rodgers in his late career in his last window. I think if he's going to go somewhere else, I don't think he gets a pick. I think he does have a little say. I don't think he's picking Washington, though. No. Left hand up. We are the commanders from everything I've been seeing online. That's a funny meme. All right, let's keep moving on, Max. Your boom. Yeah, um, honestly, I love Peter's the most here. I'm, I'm pretty sad that Peter took that one. Uh, I'm also going to go with the running back this week. I think that it's just one of those weeks where they're going to boom. So I'm going to go with Joe Mixon. He had a pretty solidly so, – I can't speak – solid week last week. Um, but this week, I think – He's just due for a big week. He plays the Falcons at home. Um, the Falcons have covered the spread every week, so I'm not really worried about it being a close game or, or a, a blowout. I really think Atlanta is an underrated team. I think they're going to make this a competitive game. Um, I think Atlanta's strength is with A.J. Terrell and those cornerbacks. I think Joe Mixon will feast up on them. Um, Jamar Chase, I think, could get clamped down. T. Higgins still bad on that ankle injury, so I think they're going to have to rely on Mixon there at home. I think he could put up 15 to 20 points pretty easily and get a couple touchdowns. 
when I look at Mixon this week, this Bengals team is very intriguing because there's a lot of star players, but they're also super young. So you just don't know if the workload's going to be there constantly 24 seven, like these receivers, obviously there's good weeks, there's bad weeks. That's the life of being a receiver in the NFL, but Joe Mixon hasn't been less than the standard for consistency uh, this season in particular. I'm pulling his stats up really quick. Give me two seconds. So we've seen a start of the season that was completely inconsistent. Last three games that have been over 10 points. So he's not killing you, but he's not providing any upside where he's going to absolutely elevate your team to that next level and almost borderline guarantee a win the way that Brees Hall, Saquon, these other elite backs have been able to do. So he's not winning you weeks, but he's not losing you weeks in particular. He's doing his job. And at the end of the day, if you can string together 14 points every single week in fantasy, you're going to finish as a top 12 running back. So I look at his matchup against Atlanta. I kind of agree with Max. I feel like it's now or never for him to kind of put that, that big game together so it's either this week against Atlanta or week nine against Carolina. And then after that, it's a lot of great, like at least good or great defenses coming up. And his fantasy playoffs is kind of a nightmare. Terrible, bro. It's, it's bad. An, it's really a nightmare, his fantasy playoffs. So if I'm a fantasy owner and I see, you know, 10, 14, and then potentially a boom here, I think that's a great window for you to sell, get a safer asset at running back that can potentially – carry you in the fantasy playoffs just find those fantasy playoff matchups right now if you're an owner and trying to compete because by the time those waivers roll around the trades roll around later in the season everybody's gonna know so be on top of it now absolutely um yeah his his fantasy schedule i'm glad we brought that up because that is bad his playoff schedule there um moving into the bus category i think this guy has been bust literally written all over him you miss the window to sell high we talk about it all the time it's Clyde Edwards Elair um he's played over 50 percent of the snaps one time this year in six games um he's had over 10 carries one time as well um the only thing the only reason he was getting these fantasy points is because he caught two touchdowns the first game um he got a couple catches for some yards in the second game and then touchdown in the third fourth game um, these past two games, nine carries, 15 yards, nine carries, 33 yards, playing 43, 42% of the snaps. This week he plays San Francisco at the 49ers. Their defense is honestly up there with Tampa for the rush defense. Um, I want nothing to do with Clyde. I think that if you didn't sell him, you just have to hold him because everyone's going to look at what he's been doing these past couple weeks, five, three. He's going to have a pretty – bad game i think this week and then a bye and then the schedule's pretty average if not hard after this so i would be just holding clyde it stinks because you really probably could have gotten decent value for him um those first couple weeks but now i want nothing to do with him yeah man i i'm totally on board with this and that it's tough to see that touchdown regression happen for clyde but, it, I mean, it was bound to happen. I mean, the dude's only playing 40% of the snaps, like you said. It's it's so terrible. It's so uh, terrible. And I know Peter hates to hear every bit of this, but, you know, what can you do? I mean, you can't really expect much from a guy that's getting that little of a, a timeshare. Yeah, in particular, my big reasoning on Clyde and, and not trading him is my RB2 position wasn't 100% solid. And I want that to be adamant and clear for the audience. I have a lot of guys that are, you know, stereotypical RB2s, but not workhorses. So I needed to take as many shots at a guy that can potentially be a breakout candidate. So I had Jacobs, Clyde, Sanders, you know, et cetera. I had Penny and then, you know, Penny decided to have a great game and then just die. And you know what? I had a great deal for Penny lined up from Max. And I said no, because Penny had a great week, and who would have thought the following week he'd be a sum-zero value in it fantasy was, moving it forward? Was Penny and Goddard for Sutton, and I I can't believe you turned it down. 
I turned it down because Penny put up 20 points the week before and I needed my RB2 to be solved. So I don't, you know, looking back on it now, should have I done it? Uh, obviously hindsight's 2020, 20, but you know, in the moment I, I stick with my analysis and my decision, but we're not here to talk about Penny. We're here to talk about Clyde. Clyde has not been looking good. Um, again, I'm going to hold on to him. And I think everybody out there should hold on to him for those big touchdown games. There's not enough star power in this offense for Travis Kelsey to catch four touchdowns every single week. You know, there's not enough star power in this offense for Juju and MBS to get touchdowns. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I think Clyde will get his at some point. And I think he'll get his again at some point, but you know, he's going to be one of those uh, he's, he's like an options contract where it's like up and down and up and down until it's final destination is reached he, he's really gross to me i mean even if so he's gonna get 40 percent of the snaps for 30 yards and a touchdown and put up maybe 10 points and that's like his peak to me so I, mm, he really tilts me i don't know what it is about him himself maybe it's because i got burned by him and thought he was going to be this great rookie running back and i heard hold this vendetta against him but holy cow i can't stand the guy all right, let's move on. Super producer, let's hear Jace's bust. Yep, so Jace is coming in with a bust with David Montgomery versus the New England Patriots. Uh, he was saying the Patriots give up third fewest fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. He really thinks that Belichick's going to force Fields to beat him with his arm instead of just going with the run game. And it's, I mean, it's a fair assessment because I was at the the New England uh, versus the Browns game this last week, like I mentioned, and they held Chubb to 7.5 half PPR points. Uh, he had 12 carries for 56 yards. I mean, there was no holes to be had for Nick Chubb. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, but Chubb is way better than David Montgomery. So good luck for David Montgomery if they're trying to lock him down. And uh, I I think this is another solid pick here from Jace. I love this pick. I mean, when you really think about it and you break it down, Belichick's not going to let them run the ball, let Fields run the ball. He knows Fields can't throw the ball. It's in New England. It's on. It's in October in New England, right? I'm sure it's going to be cold wet i don't know what the weather is but holy cow i mean i think this is probably our best chance at going six or six all of us hitting our boom and our bust so love the pick by jb yeah i think jb i hate to tell mario from new jersey this but i don't think montgomery's gonna hit this week just i have so many bad memories of new england the second it gets cold i i just can't realistically unless it's an elite level star get anybody in that lineup right there so that that's kind of my small takeaway on the matter all right and last but not least let's move into my bust it's simple i'm moving away from the stereotypical peter pick where it's the bucks running anybody that plays the bucks day I'm doing a similar one. Every receiver except for Mari Cooper this year that has lined up against Sauce Gardner has been lost in the sauce this season. I think Cortland Sutton, height-wise, is going to get the matchup with Sauce Gardner instead of uh, DJ Reed. DJ Reed's 5'8". Sauce Gardner's, I believe, 6'2", 6'3". Might even be taller than that, to be honest. He's really lanky. Um, but because Sutton's a little bit of a larger guy, I think Sauce is going to be on him. Sauce? Ahmad Sauce Gardner, uh, the way he's playing, I saw somebody tweet, a reporter, one of the reporters in Houston was paying attention to the game, and he said, Sauce looks, and I'm going to say, quote-unquote, transcendent. He looks like an elite-level corner that is a corner piece for a franchise. I think Sutton struggled against uh, Asante Samuel Jr. and J.C. Jackson this past week. I think his struggles will continue with the questionable Russell Wilson, not even confirmed that he's going to play given his health status so i'm going to say sauce is going to lock down Cortland sutton and Cortland sutton will be lost in the sauce yeah i mean the analysis is there sauce has been very very good um russ has looked terrible i think sauce is a top five corner in the league i really do it's crazy to say he's so young um but i don't like the matchup at all for sutton this week 
I have to play him just because he's I have a lot of guys that are JMO's hurt, but I would not be comfortable if I'm starting a redraft league or whatever it is and trying to win this week. I would be looking elsewhere. Yeah, dude, this is a great pick. Like you said, I mean, Sauce has just been locking up all these wide receivers, and it's kind of, it's definitely crazy. I'm, you know, I wish there there would be a bet out there that's whether or not Sauce says let's ride after the game, but I would be throwing the house on that because I think win. the Jets, I think the Jets can really win this game, and Sauce is just gonna be on some BS, bro. He's gonna try and go for their necks. All right, let's have my Jets rant really quick. Two-second Jets rant that everybody's accustomed to on the podcast. They're four and two. I probably said that they were going to be like 0 and 8 or 1 and 9 at the bye. I, I, I'm i probably on record somewhere on this podcast saying that. Obviously, it's an insane start to the year. I didn't see it coming, and I'm a huge Jets fan and more of a Jets realist, as you've now been accustomed to if I said they were going to be 1 and 9, and they're you know at this level. They go in and they beat Denver. Then they have the Patriots at home. That's another winnable game. Are the playoffs a potential chance for the Jets this season, given the mediocrity of the AFC? I think they could beat Denver. I do. That would put them at five and two. I don't know what their schedule is down the road. Um, it's just they're in a tough division. They really are. I mean, Zappy, I'm not going to say he's great or anything, but it's Bill Belichick. You never count them out. Um, the same with the Dolphins. I think when Tua gets back, I think they'll be. It's a whole new story, and then the Bills. So, I mean, it, they're, they'd definitely be a wild card team, if anything, because I don't think they're winning. The bro, division. you don't think they're winning the division, bro? You're a hater. <laughs> I'm I know, right? But I, I, I don't see. I think in the best case scenario, like I'm talking best case scenario, is they beat New England once. I mean, Bill Belichick knows what their strengths are. Everyone knows Zach Wilson can't throw. So, just in that division with the Bills and the the. It's tough, man. I, I don't think they'll make the playoffs this year, but the future's promising for the Jets. Eight and nine or nine and eight? Uh, eight and nine. Yeah, I'm probably leaning towards eight and nine, but I, dude, I could see a world where they're definitely making the playoffs. And like, I think, and you said it earlier that there's not many teams that can win just by running the ball on defense, but in my opinion, I, that's the formula to win in the NFL is if you can have elite defense and run the ball and just soak up the time, like that's how you're going to win games. And if they can get to that, and it seems like that's what they're kind of shifting towards with Brees and everything, if their defense can just keep playing at the level they're playing at, I mean, I, I could see them winning some games that they probably shouldn't be winning. And last week was, was one of those, I mean, against green Bay. So I, you know, I think there's hope there for you, Peter. All right. Let's wrap up the show. Wanted to thank everybody for making it to the end. Another week, episode 62. Again, a year ago, I wouldn't even think that maybe, obviously, I thought we'd make it this far. But when you say the number, it, it really does, does shock me a lot. Any any comment before we wrap up the show? Uh, yeah, I got, I got one comment here. I just want to shout out Nick C. Um, Nixie, it's great to have you back, man. Um, I know you took some time off. You're adjusting to the new job and everything. Um, but this this show, this podcast, it really couldn't happen without you. And I feel like I was thinking today, I was like, man, what am I going to get Nixie for Christmas? So send me, your, send me your size. Like, I'm going to hook you up at the Cavs team store, get you some stuff, because I really appreciate you. Um, it really wouldn't be what it is today without you. So we appreciate you, Nick. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's, you know, it's good to be back. Just had to take a, a little week, get adjusted. But, you know, definitely missed out. And, you know, glad to be back. Couldn't, couldn't be uh, – couldn't keep me away for too long. That's what I was looking for there. But, you know, I think it's a good week of football. I think we got some good picks, good analysis here. And I do have one statement. I don't think I'm going to watch the Browns game this week. I'm probably just going to watch the Red Zone channel. So Who are they playing? <laughs> They're playing uh, – who are they playing this week? Freaking – That's how you know the season's over. Play the Ravens. Look, yeah, man, the Ravens. All GGs, you got to do – you guys need to be 500 by the time Watson comes back. You're 500 yeah. by then, you have a chance to make the playoffs. True, yeah, maybe. They might. Their schedule's brutal. I mean, they got the Bucks. They got the Pills. I mean, they got the Dolphins. 
Hey, the Jags beat the Bills last year, seven to six. So I, Peter, I it's it's bad, man. It's bad. Yeah. All right. Pretty- Wanted to thank everyone for making it to the end. Jace will be back next week. So if you're tuning in just for Jace, I'm offended, but he'll be back next week. So wanted to wish all of you out there another happy week of fantasy football. Another week of football. It will go by quick. We're already one third of the way through the season. One out of three. Get ready because in about six months, you're going to be on your couch wondering where the time went. So just appreciate football. Appreciate what we got. And we will see you Saturday. We're either going to be recording a sports betting special or just posting our picks on Twitter. So stay tuned. Max, another win, 19-3 and all-time picking the spread. So follow him if you want to tail him. Who knows? Maybe you'll make some money. All right. Thanks for making it to the end, everybody. Subscribe on Apple Pod, Spotify, however you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Monarchy. I want to thank you for making it to the end. One more Peace out, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Dynasty Monarchy podcast. Fancy some fantasy advice? Tweet or DM at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter. Until next time. Farewell, my fellow kings and queens.